on behalf of my family, thank you so much, everyone, for your condolences. It just, it's a little bit of a shock. My dad was here last Sunday with us from Colorado, um, and he's gone, which I think is a shock for all of you, too. Um, he had a heart attack up over the Rockies and just kept driving home. By the time he got home, he was in bad shape. So that was Wednesday. He was gone by Thursday. But you know what? God is good. He's lived out in Colorado. He's been wanting to be back with his kids. And so the last week of his life, God gave him with his kids and, like, grandkids. The goodness of God. Come on. So good. So good. God is so good to us. And here's the thing. We don't mourn as those that have no hope. Right. We have an anchor that holds because it is anchored beyond the veil of this life. And so it holds, right? It's not changing with the situations of this world. It is an anchor that is planted beyond the veil, beyond the veil of death. And so we're just thankful to you as a family. I can't imagine grieving in any other family but this family. Seriously, you guys are so amazing. So thank you, Craig and Shannon in Colorado, um, doing the hard work right now. So we've been praying for them. Um, We just want to thank you. Just take a minute and thank you for that. Kevin Shannon's in the house. Yeah, come on, come on, come on. Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin's the son of this house, and we're just so glad he's back and so proud of him and um, just cheering for him, rooting for you all the way. Rooting for you all the way. So excited. And so um, a whole team from Life Challenge has come. Jeff Bonsler is coming now to bring us the word he leased on Life Challenge. And um, Life Challenge, if you have a chance, if you didn't get a chance in the offering, if you have a chance to go online and give, this is amazing. Like if you know someone who um, needs people to come around them and support them through walking out of addiction or any kind of thing like that, I mean, price them out. You're paying like five or $6,000 a month to get somebody into a good place, and they don't even get the word. They, you know what I'm saying? Doesn't even, the, the success rate is so low. Thank God there are people who feel called by God to say, we're going to come along, people, and we're not going to leave them when life gets messy. Come on, come on. And so it's just a worthy place to give in, whether you give in the offering or go online and give, but I just want to encourage you in that. So Jeff, he's, how long have you been there? 31 years doing this work. And so we just want to welcome Jeff. Would you welcome with us? Thank you. Thank you. Don't worry about the clock. All right. I have to get <laughs> Well, good morning. Boy, it is a joy to be with you today. Uh, there is a true sense of family here. You guys are engaged. You guys are hungry for Jesus. And it shows, and I can feel it. Hallelujah. And by the way, um, uh, yes, it's a joy to have a rock star in our midst. And you're going to hear from him in just a minute. This church, by the way, in my 31 years of ministry with Adult and Teen Challenge, or we go locally by the name of Life Challenge. By the way, they're one and the same, okay? Um, You presented me with a unique challenge, Pastor Rachel. You asked if almost 30 different people could visit Kevin. Like, man, you guys are kind of overkill friendly. (laughs) And so my men's director was left scratching his head like, wow, what do we do about this? I mean, this is great. Recovery truly is a team sport. 
And it's wonderful to have people, you know, that are side by side with you, rallying for you, cheering for you. Uh, but you presented us with a unique challenge that I have never had in 31 years of ministry. 30 people wanting to see this rock star. So, Kevin, why don't you come up here? And Pam, I want you to come here too. Can you all see me okay? I don't want to get altitude sickness, albeit it's only uh, six inches. Just for those of you who are not aware of our ministry, Teen Challenge, some of you know us by that name, began 60 years ago. Some of you may know the story, David Wilkerson, the cross and the switchblade. What you might not know, though, is there are over now 1,000 adult and teen challenges spread across 125 different countries. We happen to have four here in Michigan. We own and operate two of those, the Detroit chapter and the Flint chapter. There is also one in Saginaw and in Muskegon, where I grew up. My mom and dad were workers, so from age 11 on up to 18 until my dad took over Detroit, uh, I grew up amongst 30 to 40 drug addicts and alcoholics. What a privilege that was. I'm serious. I had a front row chair and saw firsthand what Jesus could do in broken people. So um, that said, we've got, as I said, two chapters, two facilities. They're both residential. We offer up to one year of residential care. How, how many know you can get out of Egypt overnight? I mean, the moment you call on the name of the Lord, you cross over from death to life, right? You can get out of Egypt overnight, but Egypt doesn't get out of you overnight. So we've got a year program. And we start with a 90-day first phase, and then our hope is that men and women will continue to the second phase and complete the third phase. Kevin is uh, one of those members with us. How you doing, man? I'm doing good. Could be home. These people want to hear from you. Uh, anyone not know Kevin? Man, this guy is a true star. I got to get your autograph after this, okay? So, Kevin, uh, you know, just refresh us. You know, where were you three, four months ago? What was going on? All right. So, I mean, everyone here knows me, so they know my story. Um, but just but remind them. I'll remind you guys. Um, he has to hold the mic, too, which is weird. I'm, like, hanging out of my pocket. Um, so, you guys know that I came here, and this church is just loving, and they love me. But at the same time, I was living a double life. Um, I was addicted to pretty much anything I could get my hands on. Um, but, you know, like... I knew who God was. I knew God wanted to love me. But because of my, the way that I grew up, I didn't know that... Um, I didn't know how to just sit still and just receive that God loves me for who I am. Um, I thought whatever I did or had, was going to do or say, or, like, that was going to prove the amount of love that I got back and received, you know? Like, um, you know, like, even giving here, giving of myself would be, in turn, like, that's how I would receive love from, you know, who Jesus and from you guys. And um, I didn't know how to basically just be me and just allow me to be loved for who I am. And so you didn't understand grace. 
And by the way, Kevin isn't the only one. We all struggle with understanding grace. And so, uh, yeah, so that led to um, basically, you know, I was having trouble keeping jobs, then didn't, couldn't get a job because I was too afraid that I wouldn't pass a drug test. Um, so I was making up a whole bunch of excuses in my head to why I couldn't get a job. Um, so how did you feel about yourself in the midst of this? I mean, uh, the church, Bible school, you know, you've been there, is not new to you. How did you feel living this double life and just caught up in this kind of works righteousness, trying to earn God's favor? Miserable, because it was a lot of effort for, you know, still this empty void that was inside of me that could not get filled. And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, you know, I'm trying to work and work and work and work to basically just feel loved. And so by doing things, I'm thinking, like, oh, that's going to be love coming back. And, you know, like, it's just a void that could just not get full. And, um, you know, you, you're trying and you're trying so hard. So then, like, you're, all the effort you're putting in, and it's not being reciprocated because the only thing that can fill you is Jesus and his love for, you know, being whole. Um that, that just made me depressed. That made me feel very, you know, like um, very empty all the time. So by God's great grace, this holy conspiracy was going on, right? And we've got a lot of the conspirators present that were part of this action plan from above. You made it into the program. Mm -hmm. So what's been happening over these last several months? Um, over the last several months, it's been... Um, very challenging, but good challenging, um, that I've just been allowing God to love me for being me. And um, Daniel wrote in my journal, I know a lot of you have written it too, um, something that I pretty much read daily, and it basically says, um, even if you can't put to words and the only thing that comes out of you is groans, worship and love God. And um, being in the program, um, one thing that's been totally just keeps coming to my brain is just that I am his beloved and um, like that's, that's who I am and um, another one for being in Mark class that we keep going over is um, it's not hermeneutically correct Pastor Rachel but for me it works is um, the part where he um, in the parable he talks about um, father like I believe and in my unbelief um, and, you know like basically help me believe like I'm still human. I still fail. I am a sinner. Hello, all. Um, but, like, even in my unbelief, I know that Christ is changing me and that who I am is good enough. Amen. Thank you, Kev. Thank you. Thank you. And, you know, this ministry really, um, if I can whittle recovery down to a simple truth, it's about receiving this love and embracing this divine love and learning to identify ourselves as his beloved. By the way, a great, great book. Uh, I love Henry Nowen. How many have heard of Henry Nowen? Uh, he's got a great book called Life of the Beloved, and I just encourage you to pick that up. The fact is I'm going to buy... Um, several to give to some of my key leaders. Just a wonderful, wonderful book about uh, drinking in this divine love and appropriating that love and living in that love and from that love. Well, Pam, come here. Come here. So we go from youngin' to uh, a little more mature youngin'. 
Okay, we'll go there. <laughs> Let's just get it over with. How old are you? 61. 61? You've been with us how long? I've been here a year. A year. So you're about ready to graduate. Yes, I am. Come on. Now, um, Pam, you don't have much of a background in church and the Bible. Tell us about that. Uh, no, I didn't have no background in Jesus at all. Um, I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. I knew about Jesus. Um, and now I'm starting to feel Jesus, and I'm starting to become to know Jesus, and I know he knows me. But t tell us about your life before you get to that good stuff. Uh, you know, what was Pam like from age 60 down? Uh, better I'll start off. Okay, I'll start from 30. Uh, <laughs> oh, 27. Um, well, I, they told me I couldn't have kids at the age of 27. I finally got pregnant, and uh, I had my son. And his father denied him, but I ended up getting back with an old boyfriend, and he became abusive. But that was basically where it started. And the abuse of the beatings, and then it rolled over to I got pregnant by him, and I had another child and another child, and it just kept es escalating to where I ended up in and out of the hospital, the beatings, and I was hiding from my family because he, it, I could not associate with my family. Um, it, was, it, was, it was getting bad. My dad came over to visit one time, and I remember hiding in my bedroom for almost two hours. My dad was sitting in the living room, and I was hiding in the bedroom because I couldn't come out because I had such, my face was black and blue. And my dad knew something was up, but he didn't interfere because I had three kids. And uh, he finally left. But I stayed in that relationship. And the more I stayed, the you know, we were drinking also. And then I started taking pain pills, and it just led into more pain pills. And then he ended up with cancer in 96. And that progressed. Then I started doing crack cocaine because he needed more pain pills because he's on morphine and pain pills and we was doing Xanax and it all escalated. And then I started doing heroines with my two daughters, which are Rachel and Crystal. And Rachel's still in the streets. I just heard from baby girl last week. Um, she's in a, she was in a rehab and now she's in a, um, her own apartment in Canton. And they're going to take her as a monitor at a rehab if she stays sober for six months. It's going to be really good. Good. We, we want to talk about her. I know every mom wants to talk about their daughter and their son. I just want to keep it with you, Pam. So lots of years of just abuse, lots of pain. Um, and by the way, it's not easy to share in front of a group of people like this. Thank you for being vulnerable. Um, you didn't have a relationship with God, just trying to make the best of it. How did you wind up with us? Uh, what's that story? And well, in the last four years, five years, I was taking care of my mom. She ended up having Alzheimer's. 
Um, that was bad. Um, like I said, I started doing heroin with my two daughters, which are 30 and 31. Um, and it just escalated. Next thing I know, my mom died last Mother's Day. And my family came to me and basically put the papers on the table and said, this is the way it is. You either go to rehab or you're in the streets. So I went to Memphis, um, Sacred Heart, and next thing I know, I come home, I was handed with papers again, it's here, or streets again. So I'm here. So what did you know about us coming in? I didn't know a doggone thing. <laughs> so what was it like for you to step into, uh, you know, we have chapel Monday through Friday. Pastor Rachel's going to be doing a chapel shortly. Uh, we've got Bible classes. We go to church couple times a week don't, don't run away from me so what was all that like it was crazy <laughs> I'm sitting down looking and you guys are running off these all these addresses and I'm like where the heck is he going I'm like <laughs> talking about the Bible and going into Genesis and Exodus yeah. and Leviticus I was like what is he talking about <laughs> I'm lost so so what's happened What's happened? I know exactly where you're at now. <laughs> so, where you at? Where, where you at in your faith journey? Um, well, I was kind of like losing faith last week, a couple weeks ago. But I had to sit there and pray a little bit. And, I mean, there's a few spots that I went that I didn't think Jesus would come to, and that was in the bathroom. But <laughs> but he said he'd meet you anywhere, right? So. <laughs> you never know what's going to come out of Pam's mouth. That's why I hold the mic, okay? Doing this for 31 years. I love it. <laughs> so do you know something about Jesus' love? Yeah, he'll meet you anywhere. Um, yeah, he, he brought me up out of the, out of the dump. <laughs> um, yeah, he loves me, and I love him. He, he's, he's, he's around me. He's around me. And, yeah, I just got to keep praying. I just got to keep, keep my mind focused where I got to go. And August 1st, I got to say, hey, he's got me a place. He's going to land me. So... How many of you will remember Pam once in a while in prayer? Would you? Raise your hand. She's got a big transition to make, and uh, we just are going to believe the Lord that he who began the good work in you will do what? Wonders. Carry it on to completion. And amongst that, he'll do wonders in you. Amen. Thanks, Pam. I'd like to invite our choir to come forward, and as they're coming, I want to introduce you to one of my colleagues, Debbie Van Zweden, she has worked here at our ministry. Debbie, quickly make your way up. She's worked with us for 20-some years, uh, works in our women's division, and uh, just so much appreciate what God has done in her and what God is doing through her. She's going to just give a brief uh, overview of the song, but before she does that, she's going to tell a little of her story. Good morning, the Assembly of Jackson. Um, I feel like I'm kind of home. This used to be my second home, Jackson, Michigan. My mom was actually born here. And um, we drove by my grandmother's old house on Michigan Avenue. 
And my grandfather actually worked over on Cooper Street, if you know what I mean. So, um, yeah, I was really familiar with Jackson, Michigan. Um, and as I was looking back, it, it dawned on me that that house that my grandmother lived on in um, on Michigan Avenue was the house where I had my first drink, um, about the age of 14. So, um, and from that very first drink, I decided I really liked it. Um, when I was 18 years old in high school, uh, I was able to legally drink, and so I would go to school during the day um, and take drugs. Psychedelics were the big thing back then. And then at night, we'd go hang out at the bar, and I'd drink till the bars closed and, and completed the cycle. It was recreational, you know. All my friends were doing it. Got married at a pretty early age, around 20, and I married a man that was an alcoholic. And that's when it really became serious, uh, where I really started becoming addicted. Uh, I worked at a dentist office, so I had access to pain pills. And it just became a cycle every day, um, all day. And um, I would try and quit and it never lasted really long. Like I would go to a treatment center and I would do okay while I was in there, but then I would get out. And Pastor Jeff always asked the question, why didn't you just quit? And I, I kind of did some thinking about that. And the reason is I didn't know how not to be a drug addict. I didn't know how to function in a society without drugs or alcohol. Um, I was I just felt like a stranger in my own skin so what I knew was just so easy to always go back to um, I could pretty much carry on what they call a normal life I, I had a job I worked I would still go home at night and get high every night every day um, I just before I came into Life Challenge, about six years before I came into Life Challenge, um, I developed a heroin habit. I was a full-blown heroin addict, and that's when my life really spiraled, spiraled out of control. Um, I couldn't work. I couldn't hold a job, so I had to do things that people do to support their habit. And um, I got on disability, so I was able to get an apartment, and I did have a part-time job in that. But about a year before I came into Life Challenge, I had completely disassociated with my family, my friends. Um, I went into a, a, a deep depression, and I wouldn't go out of the house at all except to go out and get my drugs and come back and, and sit in my apartment with the, the shades drawn and, and not answer the phone and the, and the doors locked. And um, that's all I could do. I couldn't function. Uh, I couldn't clean my apartment. Uh, I had no desire to clean my apartment. And so I was living in a place that probably if you would have walked into, you would have thought should be condemned. I mean, it was that filthy. It was that dirty. Um, it, I was at a point where uh, I was losing everything. I was losing. My, I lost my job. I was losing my car. I was losing my apartment. And I just thought, well, this is it. It's just time to end it all, you know. 
Um, I believe that you put on this life and you struggle through your life, and at the end of the life, that's it. You know, it's over. And I was ready to go because my quality of life was so low that it was no big deal to me to just, you know, end it. So I swallowed about 60 pills, drank a fifth of vodka, and, and waited to, I laid down and waited to die. Um, about an hour later, I got so violently sick that I was in the bathroom, and I couldn't even get off the floor. I was just, you know, laying in my own anyways. Um, so it was at that point that I got on my knees, and I cried out to a God that I had always mocked and claimed I didn't believe in. And I said, there's something more. If there's something more, you have to help me because I'm at my wit's end. So about the door open to my apartment the police came in it was dark in there and I saw flashlights and behind them was my dad and my stepmom and I had not seen my dad in about a year and a half and I didn't know that my dad had given his life to Christ a couple years before that and they had gone to church the night before and my dad had gotten up now he's he was a police officer so he's real stoic you know and not emotional well he had gotten up in the church service and asked the church to pray for me and so the pastor came up to him after the service, gave him a, the night before, yeah, gave him the, um, the booklet, the handbook to Life Challenge, and said, your daughter needs to go there. Well, I had agreed that whatever he wanted, I would do. I would submit. Um, I was just humble enough that I would do that. And I had no idea what I was walking into. Um, you've got this atheist girl walking into a Christian program. And I kept reading the book on, well, it can't be that bad, it can't, you know. And so I walked in those doors, and I was not the nicest person in the world. I was mean. I was hateful. I was, uh, I was rebellious. And um, it took a while before God got a hold of me, but he worked on me slowly tearing down the, that wall brick by brick. And um, I kept reading the Bible because for the first three months when I was in the program, that's all you could read. So, um, and I was reading John one day, and all of a sudden it just, the Holy Spirit opened my eyes to the truth. And, you know, when you can get a grip on the truth of, of who Christ is and who you are to him, and that you're not your own. Um, you were bought with a price, a precious price, that's the blood of Christ. It changes everything. It changes how you think about things. It changes how you look at people. And so um, I came, and, and that was in 1998. I'm going to be 65 years old in a few months. And um, I never left. And day after day, I see lives change. I see eyes open. I see hearts soften. I see people's lives turned around. And I, I couldn't ask for a better, better job. I, it's not a job to me. It's my life. It's what I do. And um, I thank God for Life Challenge. So, and I'm not really the choir director either, but um, I play one on TV. No. Um, <laughs> So the song that we're going to do is called Survivor, uh, because each and every one of us is a survivor. And um, through the strength of Christ, he gives us, you know, he's with us, and, and we can stand anything. And um, so we're going to sing for you.
so long I carried the weight of my past. Crippled by burdens like stones on my back. I thought I had fallen too far from your grace. But you came and showed me the way. When I lost soul searching, you were the ground beneath my feet. When I was a blind man begging, you were the eyes so I could see. When the smoke was rising up, you were the air that I could breathe. You gave me hope, you gave me something to believe. Now I'm alive and born again. Rescued from the grip of sin. God, your love came crashing in and pulled me out of the fire. I'm a survivor. Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, your love came crashing in and pulled me out of the fire. I'm a Now I'm alive and born again, rescued from the grip of sin. God, your love came crashing in and pulled me out of the fire. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. I'm a survivor. Amen. Thank you, choir. Thank you, Debbie, so much. I'd like you to take your Bibles and turn to 1 Timothy chapter 1. I'm going to ask Casey to join me up here. 
momentarily. How many of you know of someone in your social network, a, a friend, a family member, someone you work with, maybe go to school with, maybe a neighbor, that you know currently, presently, is struggling with a drug and or alcohol problem? Raise your hand. L look around. I ask this question nearly everywhere I go. We're traveling week in and week out, and generally it's about 85%. And I suspect that the other 15% of you may just not be aware. Addicts can be clever. They can be very creative, and you just may not know what's going on. Um, I think we get it. This is not a problem that's, um, you know, reserved for a certain category of people. Drug and alcohol addiction are not discriminators of persons. It doesn't matter your IQ, your EQ, your spiritual heritage. It doesn't matter your age, your race, where you live. It impacts each one of us. And it's just a joy to be part of a ministry that we're not the only folks on the block, but we have been there for 60-some years and by the grace of God have continued with the same message that it is in Jesus Christ that all addiction is ultimately cured. We, we know that there are many things that can feed addiction and alcoholism, but at the core, there's a spiritual matter that must be addressed. And we believe that it is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone that saves men and women from the perils of their sin. You all believe that? Good. I'm in good company. Okay. Uh, Casey here is one of our residents, and he's going to introduce you just very quickly to a program that we have to offer. And I just want to give you an opportunity to take advantage of maybe a way to to assist us in providing for a place where men like Kevin and others and women like Pam can hear the gospel, maybe for the first time or maybe for the hundredth time, but a place where they can be sheltered, a place where they can be exposed to the love of God and his freeing power. Good morning, church. My name's Casey. Um, and so, yes, uh, I'm here. I'm a product of prayer. Um, when you enter into the body of Christ, um, I know for me, I didn't have, my whole family is not saved. And so, but when I got saved, I came to understand that God gave me grandmas. He gave me mothers. He gave me fathers, brothers, and sisters. And so what I'm asking today, I was going to ask the question, how many of you feel called to be a disciple? But since 30 of you are coming to visit Kevin, I think you get it. And so with that, I have a discipleship opportunity, uh, a chance for you to meet one of your family members that you don't know, a chance to invest into their lives and to invest into this program. This is a Christian program um, in so far that we use the J word a lot. That's Jesus. And so we don't get government funding. We don't get state funding. We rely on our family to fund us. And so what we are asking is that you would, for any generous givers out there, uh, for $35 a month, that's $1.16 a day. That's $420 a year to give up one bougie Starbucks coffee a week to support 
one of these students, but one of your family members. It's so much deeper than that. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said that you're more close to the man in China praying on his knees that you have never met than you are to your own blood who is not saved because the body of Christ is that and it's inextricably bound. And so with that, I am a product also of Life Challenge and have been sponsored. And so SAL is to sponsor a life. And so with that, I received letters from family members that I didn't know but that I got to know. Some of these men and some of these women don't get letters. They don't have family members that are supporting them anymore, family members. But as the body, they need you. We need you. And so with that, we need letters, fresh cups of water. And I would even challenge that if you do sponsor to write once a week. Those are the letters that I looked forward to. Those are the things that I looked forward to, getting to know my dads and my moms that I've never met. And so with that, um, this is the pamphlet right here. Um, we have uh, gentlemen right here that have them. Do we have anybody right now that would like to commit to sponsoring a life here at Life Challenge? If anybody, if you'd like to raise your hand, um, if you want to commit, we have one right here. And if, uh, one in the back right there too. Um, thank you so much, by the way. And also in the back, if uh, the Lord is moving on your heart right now, and uh, this is something that you want to pray about, you can also just take one of the pamphlets, pray over it, and all of the um, instructions on sponsoring are in here. We have a couple more right here, guys. And uh, also, you can meet us at the table in the back, uh, Sponsor Life, and we can give you more info. Thank you so much, church. God bless. Thank you, Casey. As I said earlier, recovery is a team sport. It takes a team. It takes a family. And so thank you for... Uh, investing in this ministry. And thank you for your prayers. Uh, prayer makes a difference. First uh, Timothy chapter 1, and by the way, I want to recognize my best friend, my wife of almost 30 years now. Lori, would you stand, please? She has stood faithfully by my side for all these years in ministry. Her mom, by the way, is right next to her, and her mom's soon-to-be husband. They live at Fahola, so they made the uh, big hike over here. Lori and I have uh, had the pleasure of raising four sons. We've got your pastor by one son, okay? First Timothy chapter 1, and I'll make this very short, beginning at verse 15. Here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. By the way, that phrase appears three times in this little letter. That's important. It's like verily, verily from Jesus or truly, truly. It's like pay attention. Here is a trustworthy saying, one you can bank on, that deserves your and my full Acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy, so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his unlimited patience as an example for those who would believe on him and receive eternal life. This is the word of the Lord. 
Let's try that again. We have a, a little thing we do at the center when, when someone reads the word and we finish by saying, this is the word of the Lord. We respond by saying, this is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for your word. I just pray that in these final few minutes of our worship together, that your word now would spread rapidly as it is preached. Your word has been sung. Your word has been given through oral testimony. Now, Lord, in these final minutes, may your word spread rapidly through this vehicle of preaching. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to give you three myths of recovery. Why should you listen to me? I guess because you love Jesus, you love your pastor, and you trust her. She brought this guy, this Jeff Bonsler, to you. If I were to talk about cars, you should not listen to me. I don't know anything about cars. If I should talk about home repair, don't listen to me. Lori gets nervous when she sees me with a hammer. I get nervous when I see myself with a hammer. Why should you listen to me on this? I don't know at all, trust me, but I've been in this my whole life. I grew up at a teen challenge. I've been doing this 31 years. I'm in a postgraduate program, just taking a further dive into this subject. And there's some things I've learned, and it's taken me a long time. I'm a slow learner. Any of you like that? Man, I should have known this like 25 years ago. Where have I been? I'm a knucklehead, but God in his grace continues to have patience. Three things I've learned. Three myths about recovery. Number one, recovery pertains exclusively to drug addicts and alcoholics. That's the first myth. How many of you, by the way, are in recovery? Raise your hand. Don't, don't raise your hands, those of you who came with me. How many of you are in recovery? Raise your hand. That's it. How many of you struggle with anger? Once in a while? Impatience? How many of you struggle with a little pride once in a while? Gets the best of you? Selfishness? I could go on. How many of you are in recovery right now? I know, I tricked you. You were thinking drugs and alcohol. There are only two kinds of people. Those in recovery and those who need to be in recovery. You're looking at a recovering Pharisee. I've never used drugs, never used alcohol, and I'm in a ministry. I work with drug addicts and alcoholics every day. I've got good news, though. God loves Pharisees, too, and there's hope for Pharisees. I'm in recovery for many other things as well. First myth, recovery pertains only to drug addicts and alcoholics. Second myth, recovery is easy and straightforward. You know better than that. But you know what, Pastor Rachel? There's in the mindset of some folks, they just need to get saved. They just need to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a start. That's good. They just need to get in the Word, meditate on the Word. They need to pray and fast. Yeah, that's good. But don't make mental health issues spiritual issues. 
please. And flip-flop, let's not make spiritual issues mental health issues. You know, if they just get better fire guards put up and fire walls, and if they just get, you know, a better accountability system, if they just move, leave the area that they're in, those things can help. But addiction is complex. Please, it's complex. There's psychological things going on. There's sociological things going on. There's biochemical things going on. There's spiritual things going on. There's systemic things going on. There's lots of things. So that second myth, you know, recovery is easy and straightforward. No. I believe that what gets recovery going and what keeps it going is Jesus and a relationship with Jesus but there may need to be some good old-fashioned therapy. There may even need to be some medication, at least short-term. I don't know, okay? That's out of my league, but let's not oversimplify. I've done that over the years, and you know that borderlines on pastoral abuse, in my case, as a pastor. It's complex. There's lots of things going on. The third myth about recovery is this. Recovery has an end point. You know, there's a point at which one can say, Voila, I've arrived. Wrong. <laughs> recovery is a process. I've been in recovery over 45 years. Do the math. Jesus Christ has been my Lord and Savior over 45 years. I haven't arrived, though, yet. I was saved, I am being saved, and I will be saved. Those verb tenses are used, right? About salvation. Paul here, we just read. He said not, I was the worst of sinners. He says what? I am the worst of sinners. And this is the same one who wrote, if anyone is in Christ, he, she is what? A new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. I got to tell you, Todd. Hi, Todd. Hi, Sandy. They bought my, my mother-in-law's pad. Is it working out okay? Okay, thumbs up. Whew, that was a bold question in front of everybody. Woo! Mama's getting nervous now. <laughs> but but for, for, for so many years, I had a hard time. You know, AA, NA, they open up their meetings. Hi, I'm Jim, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. I got to tell you, that just bugged me until a few years ago. <laughs> There's some truth to that. Okay, yeah, I'm new. At the same time, there's this tension. Let's not get cocky. Let's not get overconfident. I'm still in recovery. It depends on the day you ask me. Yes, I am in Christ. And there are other days, man, I'm, I'm in recovery right now. You hear what I'm saying? There's never a point at which we can say, voila, got it, I'm good to go. No. Every day I'm but a step away from doing something really, really stupid that could be fatal. God, keep me, preserve me in righteousness. 
I need you. It doesn't mean we live in paralysis and paranoia, but it means we live humbly. Yes? God, keep me, keep me. I need you. I need you. So, so why do these myths matter? I'll let Pastor Rachel develop a message series if she cares to. But I want to just say three final things. Why do these recovery myths matter? Number one, they keep us humble. I've already hinted at that. You know, it's not just for addicts, traditional addicts, you know, drug addicts, alcohol. No, we all need to be in recovery. We should be in recovery. Keeps us humble. Second thing, it keeps us on our knees. I mean, when, when next to Jesus, the smartest chap who ever lived said, I do not understand what I do. Who said that, by the way? Paul in Romans 7. When the man who had more psychological understanding and theological acumen than any other person than Jesus said, I just don't understand what I do. Who are we to say, you know, you just need to do this. Or you talk to yourself, you just need to, you know, go to that conference. Download those messages. That can be helpful, but man, I don't understand what I do. It keeps us on our knees. If any of you lack wisdom, just cry out to God. I need you, God. This is a mystery, this, this problem I'm dealing with. And then the third statement, it keeps us patient. No one has ever arrived. We're all in process. Everyone here is broken. Some of us just have better mass. We're all limping today. It keeps us patient with ourselves, hopefully. And hopefully that translates into patience with others. You know, thank God that he who began the good work in you and me will carry it on to completion. If I didn't hang on to that promise, Dave, I might call it a day and I might just give up. Because there are plenty of days I just want to. Man, I should be well beyond this. Anyone here with me? Man, I should be through with this. What is, I'm going to hold on, Jesus, what you said. You who began the good work in me will carry it on. And you who began that good work in my nephew and in my niece and in that son of mine, you'll carry it on to completion. I believe that. Keeps us patient. You quoted a line from the last text I wanted to refer to, Psalm 27. In the midst of all this tragedy, David opens up that psalm and says, The Lord is my salvation. Whom shall I fear? And then he's got all kinds of bombs blowing off in front of him. Got all kinds of crap that he's having to deal with. He said, still in the, the wake of it all, I'm still confident. I'm still confident of this, that I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And in light of that, he then says this, wait for the Lord. In other words, be patient. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Take heart and wait for the Lord. Would you bow with me in a word of prayer? God, I thank you that you are in the rescue business. None of us are here because we were smarter than others, 
more deserving. Lord, we're here because you found us. And we're standing on the promise that you'll carry on that good work in us and in others. God, may we, we leave here today encouraged that you're on the move. You're changing not only individuals, but entire families. Albeit in different ways, ways that we weren't anticipating or expecting. Albeit, Lord, not according to our timeline, but you are on the move. Whether or not we even see it, you're working. You are working. And because you're working day and night, in fact, Lord... One of the psalms says you were up all night. Because of that, God, we have confidence and we wait upon you. Bless each man and woman here. Bless this congregation. Bless Pastor Rachel. God, continue to move, Lord, in this assembly. Lord, show your glory in Jesus' name. Team, if you would come on up, if you would stand, we're going to respond to God's word. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. I know there's needs in the house. We prayed over some earlier. We want to take a chance. We need to respond to God's word. Take a moment. He came to save. <laughs> he came to save. Some of you have been saved for 20 years, and today you feel like I need him to come and save. <laughs> he came to save. Let's take a moment. We're going to respond and worship to the word before we have our baptisms. Prayer team, come on up. Would you come on up? There's folks who can agree with you in prayer. They'll be standing over here and over here and, and back on each side. How many of you know it's good to agree in prayer? God never, never, never intended us to walk through difficulty alone. So let's take a moment, respond to his word. If you need prayer for anything, maybe something was stirred up, as Pastor Jeff spoke, maybe you came with a need. Maybe you're sick in body and need healing. Listen, we see healing in the house. Don't, don't walk out the way you came. Come and get prayer. God is good. God is good. We also believe every believer has been given the kingdom without measure. So you can pray with any Christian near you. But let's take some time to minister to needs in response to the word. Amen. Amen. Lift your hand and let's just receive. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power. Break every chain, break every chain. So break every chain, break every chain, break every chain. So there's power. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name of Jesus. There is power in the name. 
chain, break every chain, break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain, to break every chain. All sufficient, all sufficient, satisfies so freely given such a
Up your voice. There is freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Lift your eyes to heaven.
thanking him with woes or oh's just lavish your love on him as he lavishes his love on you oh we thank you lord we thank you lord oh there is freedom in this place jesus oh there's freedom in this place I know some of you may need to go, it's a little late, but we have um, two exciting things about to happen, baptism and communion. We're gonna seal the deal. So listen, I know some of you have work schedules, you've gotta go, no, no trouble, you do what you need to do, but we're gonna prepare for baptism. So if you wanna move closer, kids, you can come on up here and sit here, if parents are okay with that, is that okay? If you want a good seat, come and get it. Um, there's nothing like baptism, so good, so good. So we're preparing for it now, let's prepare our hearts, if you're still getting prayer, you just keep praying. 
We're going to prepare for it. So if you want to move a seat, get closer, you're welcome to do that. Thank you, Father. He is the Lamb who was slain, the one who drove down the great wall of enmity and gave me his name. How gracious is my Redeemer, King Jesus, Son of the Highest. But the fragrance of my hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Worthy, worthy is the great wall of enmity gave me his name. How gracious is my Redeemer, King Jesus, Son of the Highest. What could I possibly give to you but the fragrance of my hallelujah? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. All praise be to the wounded one. Oh, glory and honor. To the Son we ascribe worth and give love to you, Lord. Let the fragrance of our love go forth. One more time. God is so good. He's so good. Jesus, when his ministry was time for it to begin, he was 30 years old. He came and submitted himself to John the Baptist to be baptized. And John looked up and said, this is the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Like this is about to happen. We've been sacrificing lambs for all these years. Hundreds and hundreds, 1,500, 2,000 years. 
but this is the lamb. This is the lamb. And so as we come to baptism today and come to the communion table, we're remembering Christ's sacrifice and also that we can be buried with him, our flesh, right, in baptism and raised to new life. When Jesus went to go be baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him and rested, never left, <laughs> stayed on him. And then he began to do all kinds of miracles that demonstrated the goodness of God. And as we proclaim the kingdom of God, we demonstrate the goodness of God. Jesus said, if you believe, you will heal the sick, you will raise the dead, you will deliver the oppressed, right? And so we're just praying for those who get baptized today for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit to demonstrate the goodness of God. <laughs> And we're believing for you. We are believing for you for what comes next. Whole new level. Whole new level. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Papa Ben's going to do our baptisms. Greg is first. Greg, get on in. <laughs> Step on in, Greg. Well, before you get in, I don't want you to get electrocuted. Yeah. I was All right. There. This is on. Great. All right. Um, Greg, why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship or your walk with the Lord? Why you want to get baptized today? Okay. Um, so, yeah, I was told that I would have to say something, and I've been thinking this whole time about what to say. And um, just, like, pray and just, like, God, just give me the words. Um, so just, like, a little bit of my story and, like, why I'm here and what I've been doing with my life and where God has taken me and what I've come from and everything um, – Basically, like, two years ago, like, I was completely an atheist. Like, I didn't believe in anything. I just was, like, doing my own thing, doing drugs and all kinds of stuff. And um, just didn't have any real um, direction or idea of who I was. And I something just spurred to me, like, some, I don't remember when, but it just, like, occurred to me that I needed something spiritual in my life. And I wasn't sure what it was. So I started, like, seeking out other things that wasn't Christianity, but it started me in this direction. And uh, like looking back, I now realize like after a year of that, like I started like just praying and not even like realizing what I was praying to, but I was praying. And um, then I came here on Easter and um, that was like the first time that I, as an adult, that I like felt God again. And um, so that was like, that was 2018. I felt God and I knew that that was like the direction I needed to head into, but I just like, I got distracted. Like the devil came immediately after and took me on this crazy, crazy journey that like, I, I like can't even describe right now in enough words or in enough, don't have enough time to really get into it. But I just like got really lost and really confused. And during that time, I was just like, crying out to God constantly every day, multiple times a day. I would walk around outside and I had a little prayer garden that I'd walk through and I'd just pray. And um, then I've come back here and I, I started coming to church again and um, started figuring out what I was doing. Um, and in December, I went to this conference in uh, oh, Washington, Pennsylvania, and that's whenever I dedicated my life to God again and, like, really, like, felt the Holy Spirit come on me. And I was, like, snot and tears and awfully emotional. It was, like, you've all been there. <laughs> so I started on that, and I've started, like, coming into God and diving in. And um, just the last couple of weeks, I've been really, like, pursuing and reading the Bible over the last year. And the last couple of weeks, I've really gotten into it. And... Um, 
what God has just been like bringing to light and like talking to me about a lot lately and just like really been speaking to me is that he's always, always there. Um, we have, like we just sang a song that was talks about where there's God, like there's freedom and God's always there. So you always have freedom. So you don't like have to even worry about it. Just remember that. And um, yeah, basically, yeah, that. That, that's like the main thing that he just keeps speaking to me over and over these last few weeks is that he's always with you. He's always surrounding you. He's like that other song that we sing, that we love to sing. Um, it may feel like you're surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. I'm surrounded by God. So, yeah. Greg, have you uh, accepted Jesus as your personal Savior? All right. Then climb in the tongue. It's, it's warm. I'm going to get in, too. Are you prepared to follow him the rest of your life? All right. On my mind. Um, well, you guys already heard most of my testimony and story. Um, I'm ready to die so I can live. That's really it. Whether you love me or you hate me, I know I'm all his. So, neener, neener, now I'm going to walk like the Apostle Peter. <laughs> like, so, I'm just ready. Prepare to follow him the rest of your life? I do. Then climb in the climb in the cleansing tub.
Ushers, come on up. We're going to seal this with communion. Ushers, come on up as we sing. God is good. God is good. <laughs> that oh yeah we're gonna get happy in the room we're gonna get happy in the room <laughs> stand up ushers are coming we're gonna go ahead and just distribute the emblems hold on to them as they come to you and we're gonna worship once we've all got emblems we'll receive together yes i was buried in love my faith That kind of weight. If you want to get out in the aisles and worship, feel free. Feel free. I was breathing, but not alive. All my failures I tried to hide. That was my tomb. So what? To yes. You called my name, and I ran out of there. Yes, come on up. Out of the darkness to your glorious day. You called my name. Out of the darkness into your glorious day. Now your mercy, now your mercy has saved my soul. Now your freedom is all that I know. The old made new. The old. When I met yes, you called my name, and I ran, yes, out of the darkness into your glorious day, you called my an orphan now you call me a citizen yes when i was broken you are my healing now your love is the air that i'm breathing i have a future my eyes are open because when you call my name i ran out of that Glorious day, you call my name. I ran out of that 
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, as we come to this communion table. There's a solemn element to communion, right? Because Jesus died, he suffered. It cost him something to purchase. All of the things he purchased on the cross and his atonement, right? So not only salvation, right, the covering of our sins, but healing for our bodies, healing for our minds, healing for our hearts, right? Um, what he does on the cross so thoroughly conquers sin that even death couldn't hold him, right? And so he's already paid it, and he's not getting a refund. So we should lay hold of all of it by faith, amen? We should be believing for all of it by faith, amen? Well, we have breath in our lungs, well, we have breath in our lungs. We are going to believe for everything he has said. And the solemn part is he says, you come to the communion table. Paul says this. He says, make sure, get your heart right before you take this. If you have unforgiveness, forgive. And as we sense his presence, his presence really draws us to that to say, why, why would I want any blockage in my heart at all when his presence is this good? Right? And so we surrender unforgiveness to him. As we come to this table, we surrender brokenness. And he, we surrender to him any brokenness. And now we say, by faith, we receive all you have done, all you have done in your victory on the cross and in your resurrection. Amen. He's so good. He's so good. And communion is also about family. That's why you got to come with forgiveness in your heart because God has placed us in family. And we come to this table as a family, all of us in need, all of us in need. I actually need emblems. All of us in need of what he has done. So we're going to take this symbol of his body that was broken. And we say, thank you, Jesus. Your body was broken for me. And I receive all that you've done on the cross. And your broken body. Amen. Jesus, when he was with his disciples and taught them the sacrament of communion, he took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And so we remember what he has done, but we also look ahead because he is making all things new and his glory is going to cover this earth like the waters cover the sea. And we get to partner in it. We get to partner in it. So thank you, Jesus. We receive your sacrifice, Lord. Now just thank him. Just thank him. Just thank him. Think about this. We don't just live to come for Sunday. Sunday exists to equip us to go do the stuff. So you should empty yourself out this week so you come hungry and in need, right? What we did today was get equipped to go be on mission with him. So as you go, after we pray, as you go, would you find somebody, maybe someone you don't know, would you encourage them? Would you take a minute to hug somebody, to love somebody? Take a minute before you go as we get out on mission. Amen. Pray with me. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. <laughs> amen, amen, amen. Love you, God bless you.